Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a new church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira. And I'm Dan Nichols, Executive Director of the Northeast Collaborative. And we're glad that you are with us. This month, we have the founder of the Church Ops Group and former executive pastor, Matt Swoboda, with us. Dan, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to have Matt with us on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my wife, Joy, and I, we used to go to Spring Hill, Tennessee, uh, near Nashville every year uh, because we had a supporting church that would invite us down each year. And uh, Matt's church was not the church that was our supporting church, but he served at this other church near that one uh, as an executive pastor. And we'd always drive by that church and go, wow, that looks like like a really cool church. And uh, never knew that he and his lead pastor, Josh, would eventually end up serving as contract coaches for our church plant, Restored Church. And last year, Restored benefited immensely from Matt's consulting and his ministry, Church Ops, is taking off and he's officially partnering with NEC as a consultant. We're just so thankful for him and how God's using him to help churches across the country. Oh, that's great. I'm looking forward to talking to Matt. Uh, Matt, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Kind of give us a couple of minute overview of your personal story and your family. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, a, I just want need to compliment you, Tim, for actually getting my last name correct. Uh, nobody ever does. When I, whenever I'm a guest, usually I've got a solid minute, you know, trying to trying to figure that out. So you're a, you're a true pro, obviously. Uh, but yeah, so my name's Matt Swoboda. Man, I, I was uh, a pastor at a phenomenal church uh, in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I was there for eight and a half years. Uh, church grew like crazy. You know, I got there, I think I, I did like five different roles, and uh, I was good at maybe two of them. Uh, but then the the church kept growing, my role kept changing, eventually became one of the executive pastors on staff, and uh, the church grew from about 250 to around 3,300 uh, while I was there. Wow. And, um, I, you know, uh, all learning on the fly. When I first got there, there was three pastors and we were all in our twenties. So oh boy. <laughs> we were, we, that we sounds familiar. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Doing. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely were trying to figure it out as we go, but, uh, man, I've been married now for 12 years. Uh, my wife and I uh, celebrate our 12 year anniversary in December. Uh, we got three kids, uh, two boys, biological, uh, Caleb and Calvin, they're 11 and eight. And then a little girl that we adopted from India a year and a half ago, uh, we named Millie, that she also turns eight next month. And so that's my family, and, and uh, she, has, she has definitely uh, made things a bit more interesting uh, for us. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, when you add children, it can change the dynamic of the family, can it? Oh, absolutely. She is a fireball and uh, stubborn and yet the uh, happiest, most dancing, you know, human being I've ever seen. Oh, that's excellent. Well, you mentioned uh, that you were a pastor and now you're doing something called the Church Ops Group. It's uh, churchopsgroup.com. We'll have all that information in our show notes. But what's the story about Church Ops Group? What's what's your purpose? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, uh, we started just uh, wanting to, to, to help churches. And so uh, even started, you know, I started working with Restored Church with uh, Tim Walker and, and Ryan Miller mm-hmm. um, while I was still on staff uh, at the church and uh, just wanted to serve churches, help pastors. Uh, it's always been my heart. I just I love the local church. Um, you know, I come from like a divorced uh, parents background 
and the church really was everything you wanted it to be in uh, caring for me, discipling me, mm. uh, helping me see and understand and experience the gospel. And so my, you know, and then call to ministry through. And so I just, I, I have been in love with the local church uh, since then, uh, since I was 14. Mm. Now that's not everybody's story. In fact, uh, Dan, I know that we've talked about this before. That was not your story. No, not my story. I come from a very different background, but I think it's amazing how God uh, meets us right where we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but He doesn't want us. To, he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants to take us to uh, new and better things uh, as we move forward and get closer to Him. And it's cool how uh, no matter what our story is and our background, God can use us to serve His church in incredible ways. Absolutely, because Christ loves the church, doesn't He? Oh man, I, one of the things I've loved the most about the last year doing church ops is I, you know, I'm like, I'm young. I was at this, like what people consider, you know, I, we never <laughs> looked at ourselves as cool, but other people <laughs> seem to th- <laughs> seem to think that we were. And I just kind of, well, that's the churches I'll work with. That's kind of, and, and I've gotten to work with churches that are 150 years old and, you know, uh, from Baptist traditions and non, you know, non-denominational to, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. the, and just all across the spectrum. And, it's been it's been a blast just getting to meet pastors. You know, every uh, different traditions, different settings, different areas of the country, and yet God uh, uses you know every single one. And so uh, that's been one of the, my favorite things is just to see how uh, he God seems to care a lot less about our tribalism mm. uh, than we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been fun that's for me so to see him kind of hop across all those lines. You know, over the last year. Well, I can hear the passion for the church in your voice. Uh, what does church ops do exactly? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, you know, when, when you grow like 250 to 3,300, a lot of people might think, man, these guys really had it figured it out. And uh, we had absolutely nothing figured out. <laughs> so it was, it, you know, we always joked. Uh, I don't remember who we stole the language from, but somebody. It was not original to us. Uh, pretty much nothing was original uh, to us. But, <laughs> um, but we just said, man, what we became masters in was failing forward yeah. and learning from our mistakes and yeah. figuring out. And uh, we spent tons of time and money and energy going to learn all across the country from people all different uh, across different tribes, just trying to figure out, we just need to learn what we need to learn. I don't care. We didn't care where we needed to learn it from. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, but it did, I mean, it took years and it took lots of money and lots of time and lots of energy. And uh, we had a couple of consultants come in that were, that were super helpful. Um, Mm. But for me, I I realized like, man, when I started uh, serving churches and pastors, I just thought, man, it'd be so nice what if I could deliver to people what it took us several years to compile, mm-hmm. to go to travel, go learn from them, and then come back, put it all together, put all the work in to make it fit us, uh, and then figure out on my own, uh, you know, on, on our own, like mm-hmm. on, with our team, how to implement it, how to execute it, how, you know, how the, all the how-to, the, the actual day-to-day execution of it. And I'm a very hands-on implementation, execution type of person. And so for me, I hate, I, I don't like the idea of like, well, I just, uh, I fly in or you, we do a call and I give you some information and I feel great. And then you go and you figure it out. Right. Uh, <laughs> that drives yeah. me nuts. So I like to be really hands-on and, and you know, I know like Tim and Ryan would tell you that and, and really help with the steps. Like, hey, here's what you're trying to accomplish. Now let's talk through the steps of how you'll actually get there. Mm. So church shops really just came from. Me think, you know, it's like uh, anybody who watches Shark Tank, 
everyone who's uh, doing <laughs> yeah. a pitch for their their thing. There's like, I was having this problem, and then I thought, there's got to be a better way. Right. And that's really what I felt like. I thought, man, there's got to be a better way for churches to be able to get the resources and just the the help that they need that's not five years worth of, of traveling all across the country paying you know that much money spending that much time just have to come back and put all the resources together yourself as well and so anytime i partner with the church i'm like here's the resources here's what we're doing let's chat through the how to you know and uh and that that's how i that's how i roll <laughs> now you're partnering with nec now right yes yeah so i had a great chat with dan i'm excited about that yeah, I mean, after hearing about the process from Tim and Ryan and just that difference that you highlighted there, Matt, about coming alongside and walking with leaders through the process mm-hmm. and not just at the outset saying, here's what you should do, go have fun. I think that's the difference that really is so important. And I think you would also say, Matt, the other thing I was hearing in uh, what you're sharing there is probably half the battle with being a healthy leader is to keep that hunger for learning, Right like to stay hungry, to want to learn, to want to grow, and to seek out, proactively initiate uh, those conversations that will take you to the next level. And I know Tim and Ryan are those kind of leaders, and that process was incredibly valuable for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so easy to get, you know, get stuck in the mundane or just stuck into kind of maintenance mode of, man, I'm just, uh, I'll just keep doing, you know, what, what I've been doing every week. And that is where, honestly, a coach helps because uh, what a coach does is it just pushes you. You know, mm-hmm. it provides resources, it provides coaching, it provides teaching, but really it, it pushes you. Uh, but, you know, and hopefully a, I, I, a good one pushes you by saying, man, I'm a partner. I'm right here with you. Right. You know, let's do this. Let's do this together. Uh, but, yeah, that hunger. I mean, that, and that's what I've noticed with the pastors who get the most out of it are the ones who go, man, I'm in it. I want it. I'm hungry for it. Yeah. And I, I really I really want to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell, you know, it's like uh, the, the pastors who implement are always the best, <laughs> the best ones to work <laughs> with because you get to see because then. For me, I get to see the transformation mm-hmm. as it happens. Yeah. You know, I love getting, I get texts like every Sunday afternoon, man, we did this and it actually worked. And I, mean, I remember Tim and Ryan, they, they sent one. Yeah. They were doing like their intro class or, or the gro- whatever. The growth track. Yeah. Get like, you know, it was like, I, I don't know. It was uh, like, we, man, we're only getting like eight people to show up to this. We don't understand. I said, like, well, tell me your process. They ran, they ran through the process. So they, I, I swear they would not mind me sharing. If they do, I'll, I'll get a text message. <laughs> and I just said, well, guys, here, here, and here, this is why. And then like, all right. And so then they changed up how they did it. And the next, the next time they did it, they went from eight to, I think, 21. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, and they sent a text like, man, we more than doubled how many people we were able to get there. And that whole class is about assimilating them into all the discipleship avenues of the church. You know, that's where the process of discipleship and transformation starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I love is like getting that text on Sunday afternoon, like, oh my gosh, we did it and it worked. You know, this is, you know, this is great. That, that's exciting because one of the challenges that we face when we're up against a situation is that we can't identify what the problem is. We know there's a problem. Mm. But we can't identify it. Somebody who's stepping back, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, somebody right. who's stepping back can see the forest and say, here's what it is. And that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's funny about that is it's like uh, that. that's like the easiest part of being a coach because, <laughs> you know, when you're new, when you're new to it and you walk in, it's just, you know, you're not in the bubble mm-hmm. and you, you don't. You, you don't, you're not kind of just, well, we've just done it this way. And I think it's fine. You know, that's kind of just that, that mentality. 
And, you know, there's like a lot of churches I work with, like, man, we have two services at eight and 11. And, I, and, and they're like, but our 11's capped out and our, our, we have 20% of people on our eight. And mm. it's like, I think we should change your service times, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they change their service times to make it like nine and 11. And then that, that service doubles and they're like, you're a genius. And I was like, well, not really. <laughs> like, I, I, I was fresh eyes. You know? Right. But, but you're right. It's like, and, but that's everybody. I need that. I need somebody from the outside in my own life. And you, you know, that's personal. That's professional. Mm-hmm. We all need to that outside set of eyes to see what we don't see. So what do you think keeps pastors from engaging in more of what you have to offer? Because I feel like there's a lot, the, the need is huge across the country. I mean, we know all the stats, and especially in the Northeast. I mean, if you go to Northeast Collaborative's website, you can see all the stats of uh, just how spiritually dark and unreached this corner of the nation is. And I feel like coaching is something that's so essential and so important, not just for church planting. All the research with church planting has said, you know, 80% or so of the successful ones have had a coach. coach. But for established churches, what, what are the barriers, Matt? for pastors uh, reaching out and saying, man, I need to get that consulting, that coaching, someone to come alongside. What have you found? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few, you know, one, one is there in the church. I, I really don't think like, if you look at most businesses, most of your successful businesses know like R and D or just like development. Mm-hmm. It's a key part of the future and the health and the success of their business. Mm-hmm. I, I, that, that mentality I really don't think is in the church uh, for the most part. Um, and I think sometimes we have a tendency to over spiritualize some things like, man, uh, why would we need a coach when we have the Holy spirit? Right. You know, like well, maybe the Holy spirit gave you a coach, you know, like that, that's possible. Uh, but I, I, think, I do think there's a little bit of that, but then also, you know, and, and I, and I totally understand this, you know, everyone wants to make sure like, man, are we being as good of stewards as possible right. yeah. uh, with the, the finances? And when you don't have that mentality that coaching is essential, well, then it's a non-essential. The uh, it's a non-essential budget item, right? And so why would what we spend happens money to on non-essential this? budget items when it comes to budgeting time? They're the they first get, things to go. <laughs> you know, and so I, I think a lot that is a lot of it is is you know about half the churches I work with, thankfully, they go, nope, we we plan for this, we plan for we put some stuff in our budget. This is what we got. And then others are like, man, we didn't do that. But let me go to the finance committee. Let me see if we can do something. Let's switch something around. And they make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I'd say it's about 50-50 of that. But then a lot of the ones who say, man, we're just not able to do it. We didn't budget for it or, or we don't have the finances. Uh, I, I really just think it's kind of an issue of priority. But then, you know, really, I think even more so, it's really an issue of, do I believe that this investment is going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. And if you've never used a coach, you're kind of like, well, what can they actually provide? Yeah. Or, and that's where it's like when people refer me, you know, it's like, man, we use them. The value was actually there. Mm-hmm. Well, those people sign up at 10 times of a higher rate because that question, I think that's the key question, honestly, because once that question is answered, it's genuinely been quite easy to, to partner up with a new church when they know someone who goes, man, this guy or this, you know, church ops, they partnered with this church and they saw real health and spiritual fruit and growth, whether that's numeric or financial or, or getting more people into their groups or onto serving teams or, you know, you know, uh, added the number of families who are generous, you know, being sacrificial and generous and they're, they're giving. Mm -hmm. And so once that belief, uh, so to me, I think that's actually the core barrier, even though that's not the one that's talked about. It's do I believe, Man, if we make, if we decide to do this, if we invest that, 
that I will see, you know, just to use marketplace language, will I see the return on investment to make this worth it? Yeah. Sure. And I, I, think, I think sometimes pastors, they probably, you know, I don't, depending upon their relationship with their board or their elders or that, you know, what, whatever the, the governance structure is, I think sometimes there might, there might just be a little fear of like, man, uh, how does it look on me if I go to my board saying, hey, I really, I need, I, I need, or I want us to pay some money for me to get help to be better. You know, I and they go, they go, you know, maybe we should just get a new pastor, right? And take care yeah, of that yeah. problem. Right? Like, well, we could save money by just finding a new guy. You know? <laughs> but, but I, I really think that's that what, well, that's just that lack of humble mentality in the sense of, man, we all need coaching. I mean, yeah, I, need yeah. I need it personally. Uh, I mean, I, I see a counselor and I am extremely happy to share that. I need someone who's not in my life yeah. to talk to me about my life. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I need, I need, I, I meet with a group. I'm part of a group called true that work. That's for Christian business owners. Mm -hmm. And I need them. I'm like, Hey guys, here's where I'm at. Help me. Right. You know? And just that part of that hunger and that humility of knowing none of us have it figured out. There's no need for us to pretend that we do. Right. And, and at NEC, we do have, um, for all of our member churches, the lead pastors are, uh, they sign up, they agree to have a soul care coach. Mm -hmm. And so quarterly, they're meeting with someone who is coaching them, That's checking awesome. up on their personal life, their marriage. And, and I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I think I love that you guys do that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about that. On the flip side, though, I want to ask you what you think about this. Like, there may be some pastors listening that go, okay. This guy from Tennessee is talking about business, right? He's talking about ROI and marketplace <laughs> language. Like the church isn't a business. The church isn't an, org an organization. It's an organism. How would you speak to those pastors and come alongside them and just kind of share your thoughts on that kind of a pushback maybe? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that is a pushback. And uh, what, what I usually say is the church is uh, it's not a business. Uh, it's more than a business, but it's, it's not less than. Oh, that is that is so good. That is good because it had. If it's not a business at all, then how are you get? How does payroll happen? Right, right, yeah, right. <laughs> how are you getting money put into your account? Right. You know, what organism puts money into your bank account <laughs> you know, every two weeks? Like, like no, it yeah, it function. It's an it's an organism and an organization. It's both. Yes. It's not an either or. And that's, that's the trouble we get into. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, I, I'm very passionate about the organism aspect of church. You know, I fell in love with the local church. I didn't fall in love with business and then think, uh, oh man, let me just, let me take this to churches for, you know, some random reason. So for me, the organism aspect is really important. And it's when you have a healthy balance of the organism and the organizational aspects yeah. uh, that uh, that was where I really feel like a church thrives. You know, there's an old book uh, written by uh, Presbyterians, uh, which typically they're not the most known for like their pragmatic, practical <laughs> you know, application, but it's a phenomenal book called Trellis and the Vine. Yes. And the whole, the whole thing, the man, the trellis is your organizational structure. And if you don't build up your organizational structure, the vine is that gospel growth that you want to see. And that, you know, the whole analogy, and I, it's, I think it's brilliant and it's perfect, mm -hmm. is if you don't build up the trellis, eventually it's going to limit the gospel growth. It's going to, a vine can only grow to the size that the trellis allows it to grow. That's it's right. the exact same with churches. The, the gospel growth 
aspect can only grow to the level in which your organizational systems and structures allow it to grow. I, I think that's the way God set it up. He's a God of order. Yeah. He set it up that way. So a part of what Chirp Shops does then is create that trellis that helps you to create the trellis that allows the church to grow. Yeah. So for me, you know, I focus on three areas. I think there's three areas that that most benefit churches in a um, in an organism standpoint that comes from the organizational side. Hmm. And so I, I partner with churches, helping them to make sure they have a healthy culture that the staffing, whether that's volunteer or paid, depending upon your size, yeah. matches that culture, and that you're building the right systems and structures and processes to get people fully integrated as, you know, whatever your language is, committed members, covenanted members, you know, mm-hmm. they're just fully integrated into the organism, the life of the church, so that they're in every discipleship avenue possible that the church has so they can, you know, grow into the maturity of Christ. That mm. gospel growth can happen mm. in their life. And uh, that, so for me, it's not about building a good system. A good system is useless if it's not serving people, Mm, but it's about building a good system so that people are well taken care of. Right. Yeah. You don't want an empty structure. You want that structure to be there for the growth to happen. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have a well-oiled machine, if it's not running, if Mm -hmm. if it's not actually accomplishing anything, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, uh, like me who has a, really nice podcast equipment sitting in my house that never gets used. <laughs> no, we were going to let that completely we were, we were go, let that go, man. No one was going <laughs> to no know. No one was going to know. Now, now you just broadcasted that out. Oh. Hey man, I'm, 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 ha- I'm happy to show my shortcomings too. <laughs> but you know, I, I love what you said before about it isn't just an organization. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. And I remember Craig Rochelle saying, I, I forget where it was, but he was saying, guys, he's like, there are tire salesmen that get up in the morning and they are motivated to talk about, you know, we've rubber. got more rubber <laughs> and we've got better treads and we're going to be safe, you know, for, for tires. Yeah. He goes, we have the hope of oh, the, the world, the, yeah. the good news of Jesus mm. that we are trying to see lives changed through and, and we just treat it so cavalier. It's like, oh, well, why wouldn't we take this seriously? And I think that's a big part of what you offer is you partner with churches to come alongside to take the gospel as seriously as we possibly can so that we can see as many lives changed for Jesus as possible. Yeah, I tell every pastor I talk to and I work with, man, everything I do in trying to partner with churches is just about stewardship. How do we steward the grace of God as well as possible? You know, how do we, how do we honor that he, A, has entrusted us who we all know we're broken, we're messed up, we're not perfect. And yet he's entrusted us as under shepherds to his bride, Mm -hmm. to care for his people, to help them be transformed into the image of Jesus. And so everything is about just stewarding what God has given us as well as possible. Yeah. What kind of churches do you feel like uh, church ops is best servicing? Yeah. So there's been, so there's really been, you know, I, I, it's a great question because when I started, I really had no idea what kind of churches were going to be, you know, so call, it's not like you said, me. okay, we're looking at, <laughs> yeah, we're going to look at churches that are, are 200 or we're going to look at churches that yeah. are 50 or we're going to look at churches that are a thousand. You need to have yeah. that plan. So uh, the Lord's really, there's been two kinds of churches most often that 
A, the Lord has brought me, and then B, that I've just seen a lot of fruit from. And uh, one of those, one of those uh, is, and this is the least less common, uh, is the church that was like, man, we just doubled in size. But I, I've had several of these. We just doubled in size, and we're kind of not sure <laughs> what to do with that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what a great nobody problem. knows, you know, yeah, when right? you double in size in like a year, nobody. So it's like these explosive, fast growing, and thankfully the church I was a part of, you know, walked through that from, uh, I think it was like a thousand to 3,300 in, in three years or something wow. like that. Um, and so I was like, okay, I have been there. Let me just, let me talk to you about what we learned uh, and help you diagnose some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other church, the other ones that I see a ton, it's really that church is anywhere from, uh, 150 up until about 400, you know, and you always hear about these growth barriers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's everything in between that 200 and 500 growth barrier. Right. And I always thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. I know organizationally it makes sense. But then now with the churches that I work with and that reach out to me, I just see it over and over again. It's like, man, we're at that 150, 175. We've just been stuck here. Yeah. Or, man, we've we kind of got through that, and but we've just been sitting at three, four hundred for several years. Yeah, and with, and it, it really is some of those system concepts. It's that building that trellis. They haven't built that trellis to be able to go past that growth barrier of two hundred or five hundred. Yeah. So it's it's like in those two camps of churches, those are the main ones I've gotten to work with, and that I really just love to see. And mm-hmm. I love seeing. You know, uh, I, I mean, there's been several churches who have been uh, in that one fifty range that man after a year together you know and i always i always joke with people these are not promised guaranteed results there's, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. no uh, give that copy no yes, performance is not yeah, here, right? indicative of future results uh, this is not a promise but i've got i've been able to see several who's like man we we're at like 175 and we grew to, to 250 260 you know within our, our year together and just kind of broke through that that 200 barrier um and, and that's a real game changer uh, f- that for most churches that's another full-time staff member who's able to do uh, a lot of just a lot of ministry ministry yeah um and so i've gotten to see a ton of that it's been a blast boy that is that is something worth celebrating the growth in the body of christ and and you're talking about not just numbers growth and i think you've made that pretty clear in some of the things that you've shared but you're talking about uh creating a, a pattern of growth that allows the family to, to get stronger and all the things that that really need to be happening in the local church yeah, yeah, it's not just like, man, there are a lot of weird things we can do just to grow your number. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But that that's not necessarily like helpful to the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why when I talk about, you know, when I'm talking about like assimilation and getting people into discipleship environments, right. When we're growing, the percentage of people who are uh, in your Sunday school or in your, you know, life groups or what, you know, whatever you call them, or the percentage of people who are now serving and the percentage of people who are now giving, God uses those things to grow them in their faith. How are we doing discipling our people? Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that's the first thing I do with with every church is we, we build out a ministry metrics dashboard just to make sure we're tracking the right thing that actually let us know how is the gospel growth going? Mm. How are people being engaged with the gospel? How are they getting into discipleship environments? How are they being changed? And tracking those things so we actually have a real indicator. Because a lot of times, you know, we all get stuck with a little bit of like, uh, um, oh, I think it's, I feel like it's going well. <laughs> right. I, you know, yeah. I, I, think that, I think that went well. Yep. You know, and it's like, 
30% of less people are serving than a year ago. That's not going That's not well. Going well. Yeah. <laughs> but you only know that. And it's like the, I don't remember who said, you know, the facts are friends. You know, data is our friend. Right. Let's look at then get these indicators on how are we engaging our people so that they can be discipled and transformed. Yeah. And I loved what you said before too about stewardship. Like just you want to help leaders steward what God has given them most effectively. That That's a great way to frame it. And I think it's true. I mm-hmm. think that's what's really going to help uh, us make dents in the darkness in the Northeast. And we're just so grateful that you're willing to partner with us and give us some uh, some really great options to, to work with you. How can we pray for you, Matt? And, and how can pastors out there connect with you? Yeah. So uh, my website's churchopsgroup.com. So just churchopsgroup.com. And so you can go there, kind of see, see some of what we do. Um, you know, there's a, if you want to contact me, you know, you can, you can fill that out. If you like, if you like following a Twitter account that has more sports than spiritual things, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> wait, it's Twitter. Underscore uh, wait, what is, what is that? Me, what uh, is like Twitter? Dan, it, Dan is the millennial that knows nothing about yeah. Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. So you know. he, uh, the guy tweeted at me, he goes, well, I came for the church content and I stayed for the avid sports sports fan nice. uh, yeah Love it. i think that's probably why most people leave too i don't, <laughs> nice. I don't know um but you can interact with me there uh as well uh but man how you can be praying for me is i mean I, I am working now with uh i think about 20 churches right now wow and um it's going great and the way you can pray for me is honestly just that i'm a good steward of, of that partnership uh, and then two, you know, I'm still learning. And so you can pray that, man, I can learn as I go, that I am better learning how to serve churches as as healthy and effectively as absolutely possible. Uh, and you could pray that I don't get myself in too much trouble on Twitter. So <laughs> that is a good prayer request. Oh, yeah. <laughs> seem really valid. Well, it has been a joy talking to Matt Swoboda, and he is with a Church Ops Group. That's churchopsgroup.com. Uh, love partnering with all these organizations, Dan, that really have a heart for the body of Christ, for the church in the Northeast. As we continue to try to make Dense in the Darkness, of course, Dense in the Darkness is the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative, and we look forward to sharing with you all of the information on the podcast that we have shared today in the show notes, churchopsgroup.com. All of it will be there. Thank you for listening.